Coming up today on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, we discuss the buyouts of Marvin Williams and MKG, the end of an era. We also play some sound bites from Bobby Marks of ESPN, discuss the game tonight against the Detroit Pistons, and this. Because nobody wants Mr. Bean VHS tapes. They have no value. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, cuz we live. We live. I just saw Doug take coffee to the face. He's extremely tired. He looks extremely tired. As soon as the Zoom popped up on my computer screen, it was met with red eyes that he had obviously just got done rubbing them or had just been up for the previous 18 hours. Very tired, Doug is. Poorly shaven. Also, you look like Pod Jesus with how Thank long you. your hair is right now. Oh, please it's really continue. an amazing picture coming across on my computer screen as we speak. It's Oscar season, baby. And David Walker and I are going to be talking about it on the next episode of Let the Boys Watch on our exclusive Patreon page that you can join as a member of Locked On Hornets. Just go to patreon.com slash LOH. So yeah, I stayed up all night analyzing all of the winners and the losers. Go see Parasite. It's a fantastic film. I'm usually interested in your Oscar takes, but we have a lot to get to today because of the things that happened surrounding the Charlotte Hornets this weekend. And we'll get to the only moves that they made. Not a trade though, Doug. They actually had two buyouts and, and it happened right after the trade deadline, which, of course, we're all kind of looking for what teams are going to buy out some of the veterans with bigger contracts that maybe they just don't want on the roster anymore. The Hornets did it to Marvin Williams. They bought him out as well as Michael Kidd Gilchrist. So neither of those guys a part of the Charlotte Hornets anymore. And, Doug, I questioned whether we gave a premature eulogy on the Rich Cho era. But, man, it certainly seems like it was appropriate once we got to see Cody Zeller play 13 minutes. And that was really the only veteran, the pillar that had been a part of the franchise for so long. Marvin MKG now out of the franchise. Yeah, I mean, a few pieces remain, obviously. Bismack Biombo did get a few minutes against Dallas. So it was nice to see him back in the lineup. But, of course, Nick Batum, the big one. And he has uh, the decision next offseason whether to buy into his player option. We all expect him to do that. So we'll still have some rich show pieces hanging around, but two big ones. And I think two sentimental pieces uh, from the rich show era, Marvin Williams, a, a, an interesting signing at the time. I, I sort of turned my head at it because Marvin Williams viewed, I think as a, as a bit of a draft bust after going number two, overall, the Hornets bring him in. He has a quiet first season, but then he became a vital part of that 2016 playoff team and and just reinvented himself as a knockdown three-point shooter and defensive quarterback if you'll excuse my cross sports reference and then mkg thank you and then mkg is is a player that we just wanted so much out of he he was born out of the disappointment that we got to actually see on rich cho's face the the night of the draft lottery in the 2012 draft when when the hornets then the bobcats missed out on the opportunity to draft Anthony Davis. Instead, they go for his teammate at Kentucky, MKG. But all of us, I feel like we were talking it up at the time. It's like, yeah, we lost Anthony Davis, but MKG, man, he has the potential to be this great two-way player because of how athletic he is. If he only learns how to shoot, if he, and that echoes, if he only learns how to shoot, 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 as we come back from my dream sequence. He didn't learn how to shoot. Spoiler alert. 
<laughs> he did not. He never did. He never did. I've had a lot of that. coffee, man. I've had a Ooh, lot that of echo coffee. threw me off, man. That was fine, though. Uh, you're right about that. And it's funny, you flirted with calling Marvin Williams a bust, right? You at least mentioned it, saying he was on the precipice. So I didn't maybe- mention it. I think a lot of people did mention it after going number two overall sure. to Atlanta. Sure. No, that was no attack. That was just a, a, a really some foreshadowing of what's to come in the second segment of MKG, where we saw Hornets Twitter kind of get into a debate whether or not Michael Kidd Gilchrist was a bust. We'll get to that in the second segment. Hold off. I know you had a lot of coffee. Don't quite yet give me your take on whether he was a bust or not. Okay, I won't. I'll save that for the next segment. But here's what I want to say about um, Marvin. I was dead wrong about this on Friday. If you listen to Friday's show, both Nada and I thought that today Marvin would still be a part of the franchise. Part of the reason I thought that is because I thought he had some value left to give to this franchise. Part of it is that Marvin to this day, you know, didn't really insinuate that he would want this type of buyout. All the leverage was with the team. Uh, So I didn't think that this would happen. But obviously, Marvin knew that he had a home in Milwaukee to go play with the Bucs and contend for a championship. So I'm happy that the franchise allowed this to happen. I don't care about the money they saved. It doesn't do anything for them cap-wise. I'm just glad that Marvin gets to go and contend for a championship after spending a lot of years with a lot of teams that we're not ready to contend. And I'm cool with this. Doug, let's talk about Mitch Kupchak and his inability to get anything in return for Marvin Williams because that okay. seemed to also be a question. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you're receptive to that conversation. Uh, it's We need to have it's the dumb, conversation. It's a dumb, oh, we, we can have it. Oh, you're, oh sure. we will start the conversation, but it is a dumb conversation. I'm just going to preface that right now. The whole, the, whole, the whole idea. Go off, Doug. The whole idea that this front office didn't get on the phone and try. They've been trying to make moves for years. Here's the thing. If I, I saw, I, I saw someone mention that, that, that this front office wasn't getting creative enough. I can't remember who, uh, but somebody on Twitter, cause everyone was sounding off about this. And if I walk to your front door and I've got with me an old VCR and some Mr. Bean VHS tapes, and then you, and I try to sell them to you and you <laughs> slam the door in my face is that, does that mean that I wasn't creative enough? No, it means nobody was buying what I was selling. Unbelievable. I have a question about why you decided to go with Mr. Bean in that example. Is there any particular reason you went with Mr. Veen? Mr. Bean. Uh, is there a reason you went there? I have no clue. Because nobody wants Mr. Bean VHS tapes. They have no value. All right. Poor Mr. Bean. Didn't realize that he was on the same level that nobody would give you anything. Like you wouldn't trade a second rounder for Mr. Bean VHS tape. No, you're waving Mr. Bean. All right. (laughs) Understandable. I just didn't realize that that's the example you were going to bring up. I'm with you though. Completely. I don't think that they could have traded it. I mean, did we not see what Andre Drummond went for? The dude went for a second round pick. We also, I mean, people did not want to get rid of assets, whether it be a second round pick or a first round pick. Also, you saw Tyler Johnson just get bought out by the Phoenix Suns. And so you know that there wasn't enough expiring contracts to be shuffled around the deck. I mean, when when you have Marvin, there's just not enough to bring back that makes sense because you don't want to put salary on the books the following year. And teams aren't going to part with a second round pick in order to get the quote unquote asset or the value that is Marvin Williams. I just can't see... Hell, a lot of these teams went through this route. I mean, a lot of these teams couldn't shed any of these contracts, even if they were expiring. There just weren't enough that ended this season, apparently with all of the teams with the moves that they've made. So I I completely agree with you. I think these teams just wanted to wait on the buyout market before they added any kind of guy to their roster. Well, yeah, and I think we have to understand 
that this is probably the worst time or the worst couple of years to rebuild as an NBA franchise. And it's unfortunate that the Hornets are going through this right now, but this was always going to be a quiet trade market because of the realities of uh, how these teams were constructed in the, in the year previous. And then this next free agency market is going to be super quiet. So I don't know how, how much the Hornets are going to be able to maneuver in the offseason to benefit them or collect assets. Now, as we approach 2021, when the free agency market is going to heat up tremendously, that's when the Hornets can pounce, take on bad money in order to free up some spaces for other teams to make moves in that 2021 free agency market. And the Hornets can collect assets if they stay patient. That's the whole thing. I mean, this is a tough time for the Hornets because there's not much they can do with the assets that they've gotten. They've been trying to trade these guys for years. 15-year vet Marvin was. Surprised to see him. It doesn't seem like it was this long, but surprised to see him in his sixth season with the Hornets. He signed in July of 2014. In the six seasons with the Hornets, he averaged close to 10 points, a little over five rebounds, just one assist per game, played about 27 minutes per game over the course of 429 appearances, 348 starts. 681 three-point field goals on 1,800 attempts with the Hornets after totaling just 353 made three-pointers in his first nine seasons. So kind of went uh, underwent a role change with Charlotte. And those 429 games that Marvin played in ranks sixth. In franchise history, the 681 three-point field goals made ranks third and his 2,293 total rebounds ranks eighth on the franchise all-time leaderboard. So yeah. some impressive numbers for a guy that was here for a long time. Yeah, I mean, he's a staple of this era of Charlotte Hornets basketball and and the consummate teammate. I think that's how he will be remembered is a uh, just a steady presence on the floor and then off the floor, uh, constantly willing to counsel other players. He was a, you know, a benefit to this franchise during a very difficult time. Yeah. And I, I love Marvin as much as anybody. I think everybody loves Marvin and uh, it's sad to see him go, but we all want to see him go play for the Milwaukee Bucks. And Doug, the one question that I have is, was Marvin able to stay fit despite not playing a whole lot of minutes this season? Oh, you know, he was able to stay fit. He was always in the gym, always getting ready to go. If you want to get fit in 2020, you don't have to join a gym. You don't have to pay a ton for overpriced fitness equipment. The best way to get in the best shape of your life is with our friends at Echelon. Go to echelonfit.com to discover their EX1 connected fitness bikes that offer high quality at-home cycling experiences at less than half the price of a Peloton. Echelon makes beautifully engineered products for everyone, including busy moms and busy dads, first responders, elite athletes, whoever you are, whatever your activity level, Echelon has something for you. With daily live and on-demand studio classes right in your home, you never have to step foot in a gym. You are going to love Echelon, but if you aren't 100% satisfied, they're going to give you your money back. Join the hundreds of thousands of men and women who are getting fit with Echelon. Don't pay a ton for a Peloton. Buy an Echelon bike today for under $1,000. Go to echelonfit.com slash LONBA to learn about their limited time free Apple iPad and complete details of this exclusive offer. Echelon, it's your time. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. All right, we have a couple of sound bites from Bobby Marks of ESPN and also our MKG takes after his buyout. It's all up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. 
decoys all over the place. They've got everybody down at the rim. Ball goes into biz. They do like an XFL style where the wide receiver runs to the line of scrimmage, except it's with Devontae Graham. He picks up a foul. I don't care what you say, Nate McMillan. More like Nate McVillan. Get out of here. Quit whining about the officials. You got plenty of calls. The Hornets got a call at the end of the game. I thought it was fair. Hornets win. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. As I mentioned, Marvin, not the only veteran to get bought out from the Charlotte Hornets. Michael Kidd Gilchrist, the second overall pick in 2012, was also bought out. He was here eight years with the franchise. MKG does hold career averages of just 8.6 points per game, five and a half rebounds per game, 1.2 assists in just over 25 minutes per contest over the course of 433 appearances. That was 356 starts. He played eight seasons here in Charlotte and those uh, 433 games. That ranks fifth in franchise history. His 2,388 total rebounds ranks fifth in franchise history. And his 301 blocks ranks sixth, uh, sixth excuse me, sixth. It's an, it's an evil stat. He ranks sixth on the franchise's all-time leaderboard. There was a discussion surrounding MKG via Hornets Twitter this past weekend, Doug, about whether MKG was a bust. And I think you brought up a good point when responding to Nada, who brought somewhat of this up. You said it's all about how you define it because I don't look at MKG and think of him as a bust. He certainly did not reach expectations of a second overall pick. I'm not here to argue that because he clearly did not. He was sandwiched between what some really good NBA players and Anthony Davis and Bradley Beal. And that certainly doesn't help his case. But when I think bust, I think of guys that just flame out of the league pretty quickly. I think of Anthony Bennett time, but I also think of guys like Hashim Tabit, who was in a very similar role where he was sandwiched between Blake Griffin and James Harden in that draft. And that's someone that flames out. Uh, you think of, of course, Michael Olawa Candy, who wasn't very good his entire time. I, I just think of those guys as clearly busts in the NBA. And I think MKG actually provided some value. And, and if we go bust, right? I think when we talk about busts, I think MKG, at least you can argue on either side of the coin. Like those other guys that I mentioned clearly were bad. And they had crazy expectations that even reached the lowest point of those. I think the lowest point of our expectations for MKG probably looked a lot like what he gave you. Somebody that never learned how to shoot. Somebody that was a good slasher that could play good in transition that rebounded very well for his position. You just mentioned the blocks there, but offensively just never developed his game a whole lot. And to me, I think he reached the lowest goals that you had for him for a second overall pick. Yeah, I mean, when he was able to stay healthy... And that, that's a bit, Wynn is doing a lot of work in that sentence. When he was able to stay healthy, he was able to serve a very specific pur- purpose within the Steve Clifford defense, uh, a defensive era of the Bobcats and Hornets. So, so in that way, I agree. I don't, I think he's more of a disappointment than a bust. I'll agree with your definition and not his definition of a player that everyone expects to be great and then flames out very quickly, a la Ryan Leaf. MKG was certainly not that. And it's not his fault that he was a second overall pick in what was kind of a, you know, one of those drafts that it's like clear number one. And then underneath him, you know, there was some talk about MKG. There was some talk about Bradley Beal. So it it, it wasn't, and I remember the time, it wasn't as if anyone said, wow, MKG number two, that's crazy. Uh, there, there was obviously promise because, you know, he was 19, 20, 21, 22. And there was always this talk, uh, same around Malik Monk of, well, you know, he's really young. Just give him time to develop. 
And I thought David Walker uh, brought up an interesting point. Is it possible to be a bust in your second contract? So maybe he was a draft disappointment and a second contract bust, because I think when he was given that second contract, a lot of people were hoping that he could develop a three-point shot and be someone that didn't cost you so much on the offensive end because teams just simply did not pay attention to him when he was beyond the three-point line. And we got a, if you remember, Walker, I know you remember, but we got a brief glimpse of that uh, when he returned from injury for seven games and was knocking down three-point shots like crazy. Then he gets injured again, was out for the rest of the season, comes back, can't hit a three-point shot. So just a, you know, a lot of disappointment wrapped around MKG, but he's a player I think that will be remembered for uh, being a strong defensive player, someone that threw his body around, made a lot of hustle plays, and probably cost himself a lot of games because of how relentlessly he went after loose balls and played defense. I have no problem with Mitch Kupchak buying Marvin Williams out. I have no problem with Mitch Kupchak buying Michael Kidd-Gilchrist out. At the very least, it opens up some roster spots for guys like Jalen McDaniels, who actually saw some time in a bad Dallas Mavericks game this past weekend. And we'll see about Caleb Martin and just the overall young guys that might come up and play with the Charlotte Hornets. But I like the approach that Mitch Kupchak is taking. And Bobby Marks shared those same comments when he came on with us the wake-up call this morning. Bobby Marks actually likes what Mitch Kupchak is doing. Yeah, I think Mitch realizes kind of where they are right now. You know, they're not a playoff team. Um, the two buyouts opens up two roster spots that you can have an audition for that back end of that roster and, and maybe take a look at some of these G League players, some young G League players, some, similar to what um, Miami did last year with uh, you know Kendrick Nunn and Duncan Robinson. You know, they signed them the last week of the season and those two guys turned out to be starters for them so um, there are players out there I think that's the right approach to go out and, and do it but I just think you can't get a, get used to losing you know once you get used to losing I think it, I, it creates a lot of bad habits um, and then you just get used to it so as I said I think the next you know 25-30 games are going to be important from a competitive standpoint um, because that's certainly leads into next year. I agree with Bobby Marks there. I really do. I, I think that uh, Mitch Kupchak so far has nailed the draft, and that's something that the Hornets have not nailed historically, so that's good for Mitch Kupchak, and I think he's handled these situations well. They are clearly in a shift uh, to a youth movement, and now the big challenge. This is the big part that I agree with, and I've been saying this for a long time. You can't get used to losing. You can't turn this thing into a disaster. I think it starts tonight against Detroit, another team that is facing the prospects of a multi-year rebuild. They, they've got to get some wins here. Uh, at least, I think, you know, get to 20, maybe get to 23, 24. You've got to get a couple wins here in these last 30 so that uh, you don't just get used to being terrible for too long. In a way, it, it, it's a 180-degree turn from his introductory press conference, but it's funny to me that Mitch Kupchak seems very aware of the situation he's in compared to asking Rick Bennell, wait, what's our salary cap? <laughs> yeah, he, I, I, no, listen, 100% he discovered that. This was not something that he knew coming in. He was not aware of the situation. And in a weird way, I, I think he's more aware of the situation now than any GM has ever been with Charlotte. I, I like the premise that uh, that's going on with the Hornets. I like the action that he's taking, trying to create some roster spots, knowing that you want a couple of bites at the apple and understanding that all of those bites aren't going to be tasty, but it's about the sheer volume. It's about the sheer opportunity about some of these young players that, Hey, drafting is an imperfect process. All I want are shots at drafting players. And sure enough, he was able to do that by, you know, trading up for Devonte, but also trading for a bunch of second 
and to create some roster spots for some of these younger guys. And he even said it. He said, if one of these guys turns out to be a rotation player, then the experiment worked. And that's, I think, something that he's very aware of and actually like the awareness. I agree with him. But like taking a couple bites off the Apple Walker, if you leave that apple out too long, it rots. And that's the big challenge for this team and James Borrego moving forward is how quickly can they get some of these young pieces to a place where you are contending again in a sustainable way. I think Andre Drummond's game is rotting right in front of us as well. He's a dinosaur. His game is leaving. The NBA is leaving his game as we speak. But Bobby Marks actually discussed, you know what? The Charlotte Hornets probably should have taken a flyer on him. We play that sound for you next what? in the last segment of the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. That is so Stu God's form that you were about to make fun of people for their opinions of people changing their body. And then mid making fun of other people doing that, you said, I will say this, though, mm-hmm. the guy that I think his body changed. That's correct. Yeah, well, little, you're right. But little known fact about me, I have 2040 vision. So okay. um, that me I'm pretty sure. What, or is it 40, 20 vision? Whatever means that I have great like eagle eye vision. That's Eagle Eye Cherry, by the way. Great underrated band of the 90s. Save Tonight, one of my favorite songs. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Once we found out what Andre Drummond went for, when it was just salary filler and a second round pick that is like so far into the future, 2023, and it was the worst of the two that the Cleveland Cavaliers own. It was ridiculous that Andre Drummond went for just that. Even in a place here on this podcast where we did not value Andre Drummond. We did not want him. You were yelling at him to stay away from this team. You had a restraining order on Andre Drummond. We knew that we didn't want him yet. I'm still surprised to see him go for that little value. And at that value, it had some people kind of questioning whether the Charlotte Hornets should have parted ways with one of the second round picks that they own in order to get somebody that is averaging a lot of rebounds in today's NBA. Even if the points that he scores don't come at a deficient rate in the post, Bobby Marks thought that the Charlotte Hornets should have taken a flyer on Andre. I actually thought Charlotte could have taken a, should have taken a flyer on him just to see kind of where he would be for the next, you know, for the next two months. If it was going to cost you some of your, um, some of these expirings that yeah, got bought out, um, even if he had to throw in a future second. Walker, I am floored. I am stunned that <laughs> my sweet be. baby Bobby Marks would feel this way about Andre Drummond, that he should have come to the Hornets. I cannot believe it. Andre is going to be a great player on a bad team probably for the rest of his career. Cleveland is going to continue to lose. This is not going to make their team better. It would not have made Charlotte's team better. It would not have made their future prospects better. It would have probably gunked up their books. And then you'd have Bobby Marks out there in the future putting the Hornets at the bottom of their future rankings because they had messed up on the Andre Drummond thing. So I just, I cannot believe it. Yeah, I feel bad for Andre that hit the game left him so quickly. I, it happened right in front of us. You know, I mean, what was he, 2012 draft pick, something like that? Um, maybe it was even later than that. But I know Andre Drummond, as soon as he came into the league, that's when the Golden State Warriors started to successfully have this experiment of playing small ball and shooting threes and having to have guys that go out there and defend some of the three-pointer, uh, three-point shooters. And Andre just couldn't do it. And so even with him getting just a ton of rebounds, it's not somebody that people find valuable. I, look at the trade. Like there's no, nobody found him as valuable. I mean, even if it's just the contract, even if you're a Drummond fan and say, well, okay, he's overpaid, but he's still a really good player. I, you would think if he was a really good player in any stretch that another team would try to swoop in and get him. 
but they just didn't want to. They didn't want the salary in later in later years. And so Andre's now a guy that goes to Cleveland, probably will put up big stats, and he will have been traded for John Henson, Brandon Knight, and a second round pick that won't even convey until at least four years from now. Oh, the the Hornets have already gone through this. It was the Dwight Howard experience experience. Except then it sort of made sense for the Charlotte Hornets because they were trying to get off that bad Plumley deal and find something for Steve Clifford to try to make a desperate run at the playoffs. But that's not the situation that the Hornets are in. And I'm glad that they didn't willingly put themselves back in that experience because Andre Drummond, like Dwight Howard, fundamentally, fundamentally changes the way you play offense. And I think it would have hurt the development. I don't think Bobby was looking. I'm going to give Bobby... Bobby, my sweet baby, beautiful Bobby, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he wasn't really thinking about the development of these young players because I, yeah, maybe he was just thinking about it from a financial level. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm distraught by my <laughs> sweet baby Bobby doing this to me. And, uh, but I think it would have hurt tremendously the development of some of these players bringing in Andre Drummond. You mentioned that they play the Detroit Pistons tonight. We did get to see them play against the Dallas Mavericks. Miles Bridges, a decent game. Devontae Graham had a good second half, although they were pretty empty stats. That game was already decided. Malik Monk played pretty well in the first half, and that was the only guy it seemed like offensively. Any takeaways from the Dallas game and what you want to uh, put forth tonight against Detroit? Well, geez, I mean, I know, look, we're shifting gears into the youth movement, but you just, you can't start a game like that where they don't have their two biggest stars. I mean, that Dallas, that first quarter was an embarrassment and uh, Coach Borrego was wearing it after the game. And and to, and I believe that the responsibility on that is on him um, or for that is on him. I mean, you got to get your team ready to go out of the first quarter. You can't get blanked like that by a team that was down two of their biggest stars. So they, it's got to be better than that. You know, over in... Uh, on Detroit's side, Reggie Jackson's playing well right now. He's auditioning possibly for a buyout before before March. Uh, Derrick Rose, uh, always a threat. Uh, no Svi, no Svi Mihailuk. He's out, I believe, with injury. I was listening to Locked On. Mihailuk? Mikhailu. Mikhailu. I like Mihailuk better. I think he should think <laughs> about changing that. Um, I was listening to Matt Shook of the Locked On Pistons podcast, by the way. He's pretty happy that the Andre Drummond experience is over in Detroit because I think he wants this team to move towards a an actual rebuild. Uh, so be, it'll be an interesting game. I mean, obviously the Hornets have beaten the Detroit Pistons nine straight. So let's, let's throw it into double digits. I think the Hornets need a win here. And, and I'm not going to say that very often for the rest of the season. I'm not going to say that they need a win. Uh, because they're playing for the draft right now, but they got to play for each other too. And they got to, I, I agree with my sweet baby Bobby, they can't get used to losing. Yeah, Rick put out a stat and wrote about one stat in particular that is especially jarring regarding the Hornets. And Rick said there have been 14 total NBA quarters this season among 6,000 plus when one team scored 11 or fewer points and the Hornets have three of those. So out of the 14 total NBA quarters that saw one team score 11 or fewer, the Hornets have three of the 14. Well, it's because the Hornets shoot a lot. I mean, they don't they don't have a ton of creative ways to generate offense. And so when their shooting goes away, it can get really miserable. But it was good to see Devontae Graham. I did, by the way, uh, for Beast Challenge update. I win one to nothing because we had 
I've, I've been waiting on this. The double DQ, both of our lows <laughs> didn't play. Billy Hernan Gomez and Dwayne Bacon both were DNP coaches' decisions to make room for Caleb Martin and Jalen McDaniels. Uh, but uh, I, I picked Devontae Graham. You picked Malik Monk. We were both intelligent about that because both of those, those are really the two highlight players of the game. But Devontae Graham was able to dish out a few more assists and get a few more boards than Malik Monk. Uh, who had an efficient scoring game but didn't do much else. But it was good to see Devontae Graham get back on it. The sheen has worn off of him a little bit. And and I hope that he can close the season strong, even with this shift to the youth movement. Yeah, my only my only hope is that they actually happen in competitive games because this game was not competitive. It took a while for Devontae to get going. He went care. crazy, though. That was a crazy... No, you're right about that, though. Like, that was a crazy quarter. I think it was the third, right? Maybe a little bit into the fourth. But he was nuts. There was a, a potential four-point play that was taken away from him, too. That's one shot. I It was insane to watch Devontae go off in the third. Like, he was just cooking the Dallas Mavericks and it was fun to watch. And we've seen him since he's entered this second phase of his season where he hasn't shot the ball very well. We've seen him have a few games where it looked like he was getting back on track. But this is the first game I remember in quite a while where we saw the Devontae magic again. And so hopefully that is um, that is a, a forebearer of things to come for him. All right. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Walker Mail. Doug's on Twitter at Doug Branson, LOH. And you can find our show handle on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets. We'll be back with you tomorrow. My sweet, beautiful baby Bobby.